You are listening to the Women's Life Care Center Let's Talk podcast, where we discuss topics on parenthood, life skills, news, business updates, and inspiring topics for our current and future moms and dads. We are so happy to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast. I am your host, Kalina Carlisle, Director of Client Services and Outreach and Life Coach. Today's topic, we'll be discussing tips on managing money and finances well. For today's session, I've brought on a guest speaker. We'll be having one of our center's own amazing financial advocates, Melissa Liu. Melissa has been with the Life Care Center for a little under a year now. She's served as a volunteer and now works to manage our financial wellness program. She'll be educating us on money management and financial tips and the importance of managing your money well as a parent. Hi, Melissa. Welcome. Thanks so much, Kalina. I'm excited to have you here with us today. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in financing, and what your role at the center all entails? Sure. I guess I was destined for this role. My mom made me open a checking account when I was in seventh grade, and my whole life she kept telling me, you got to take money management classes, and I was very reluctant to do that throughout high school. And then at the end of college, I realized that managing money would be a great career because no matter where we lived in the United States, that there would be banks around. So I've worked in the banking industry, both in the Silicon Valley and in South Carolina. And I really enjoy my role at the center because I get to empower women in how to utilize money, which really is just a tool in helping them achieve their goals as a parent. Nice, nice, nice. And when you say helping parents achieve their goal, what kind of things are you doing for those women at the center? Well, I like to start by asking them the basic question of what is your goal for your life and for your child's life? Sometimes it's buying a house. Sometimes it's a dream of a career that was put on the back burner because of parenthood coming at a time that wasn't expected. So what I like to ask them is, what do you want your life to look like? And then we start talking about their values. And I always remind them that money is just a tool. It does not provide value for who you are as a person. Whether you have a lot of it or a little of it, it doesn't matter in terms of who you are as a mother. And so from that point, we just talk about how can we use this tool to help you get to where you want to go. I like that. I like that. I should have came to you, too, for some financial help. (laughs) Um, So just for our listeners today, and whether that could be donor or that could be one of our clients, what are some tips you have for them for managing money well? The main thing is going to be budgeting. And I know people don't like that term because it seems to be restrictive. But budgeting really is the vehicle and how you're going to get to your end goals. So I tell the clients, you know, your goal is your destination and your budgeting is the map. The budgeting is the map that will get you there. So budgeting really encompasses everything that people think about when it comes to managing your money. Your spending habits, I would liken that to, are you going to walk to your destination 
are you going to take a jet there? Because if you spend a ton of money, you could be crawling to that destination. Your priorities, your wants versus your needs, all of that is encompassed in the budget. Credit cards, again, how are you using those? Because those can be a huge weight on people because the debt grows, you know, and the interest is so high. It also encompasses savings. People don't realize you have to budget your savings too. So it's all encompassed in the budget. Nice. Why do you think it is important for families to manage money well, have budgets, especially families with children? Well, I think we're going to talk about this on the podcast in the future about stress and motherhood. And so managing your money well helps to lower your stress as a parent. It does. And it allows you to focus on the things that are more important to you. And it creates a peace of mind for you and for your kids and their future. Um, So I think it's really important. And it also impacts, I think, how you live on a day-to-day basis. When families look at their budget and see how much money goes towards food and eating out, you quickly realize, well, if I eat at home and cook more, not only is it better for us health-wise, it's more cost-effective, too. So all of those things go together for parents. That's so true. I think I was speaking to one of my friends the other day, and he was like, yeah, I just realized I spent $300 on DoorDash in in literally two weeks. And I was like, yeah, that can get you. (laughs) Well, I think, too, when you're a parent of babies and you see what your food becomes every few hours, you're like, oh, that's a waste of money. Yeah. (laughs) So true. So true. Um, Do you think parents with kids should get life insurance or create college saving accounts? Definitely. Uh, For the most part, term policies are a good idea for young parents. And I say term versus a permanent policy. It just covers a certain time frame, a certain term of time. And so a 20-year term is generally what people recommend. And in terms of how much they should get, it should be about 10 to 12 times your annual income. Mm. Um, One thing I would mention now that we're talking about insurance is if you have one through work, just be mindful that if you ever leave that job, your insurance is gone. And Mm. so if you got the insurance and you were young and healthy at work, and then you left your job, and suddenly you're shopping for insurance again, it could be really expensive because your health has changed. And also to review your policies from time to time. I know for me, like five years ago, I was paying about $350 a year and I shopped around recently and I dropped it to 220. Nice. So I was able to save a good chunk of money just from and it's the same exact policy. policy. In terms of college savings, that's also a great idea as long as all the other basic needs are met. Mm. So I wouldn't encourage someone to start a college savings account if they have $5,000 on their credit card. Pay your credit card off. That's the priority. And also, you have to remember that you have to save for your retirement because no one's going to give you a loan because you're old and not working, but someone will give a loan to your kid to go to school. True. So just as long as all those things are met, then sure, a college savings account would be a good idea. And what do you say to those parents who have student loans themselves? Do you think they they should also wait for a college saving account for their children? Yes, I would say any sort of debt. Basically, 
once all your debts are gone except a mortgage for the most part, mm -hmm. then you can start prioritizing savings. Awesome. Can you tackle the topic of debt a bit? What is a good practice parents can adopt for paying off and managing debt well? Yeah, so debt, I would say, is like that ball and chain around your leg that really keeps you from pursuing what you want. And sadly, with the cost of education and the cost of housing right now, people are getting into debt. And we, we treat it like it's normal, you know, that this is just part of being an adult. And I think we really need to start to challenge that idea. Like, why is this normal? Yeah. Why do I have to have $100,000 worth of student loans? Why do I have to? We knew a guy back in South Carolina, and he was like 90, and he told us how he would take his paycheck every time he got paid and bought wood and built his house. That's so foreign to us. We wow. don't think of that yeah. anymore. But credit card debt is the worst type of debt because the interest rates are so high. And so in terms of paying it off, there's something called a debt snowball. I didn't create it. It's very well known, where you pay off the smallest balance first, as fast as you can. And when you're done with that, you would take the money you normally would apply to that credit card, and then you would apply it to the second smallest credit card until you paid that one off. And you keep going until all your debts are paid off. Now, psychologically is the reason why it works. It's that gratification of, I have one less piece of mail coming and asking me for money every month. So you get this sense of, I can do it. And so that's how you would start is, you know, the smallest balance you have and try to get it paid off as soon as you possibly can and go from there. Some people, if they have a mortgage, right now, you know, in the Twin Cities, the past couple of years, property values have really gone up. So if there's equity in the home, people can consider refinancing and consolidating those credit card payments. The rate will go down. The payments will go down. The downside is you're paying it off over a longer period of time, and you have to refinance, which can sometimes be expensive. Thinking about what you were saying about today's culture and how a lot of people see student loan debt just kind of like they see a mortgage debt. Um, I know a lot of nurses and doctors or lawyers who are hundreds and thousands of dollars in student <laughs> loan debt, and so they kind of see that as, okay, that's normal. Like a lot of people have this debt. So this is something that they kind of treat as their mortgage. It's like, well, one day I'll pay that off. Um, so knowing that a lot of people do have that view, because if you think about it, I mean, I think the reason why they think that way is because how do you get out of $100,000 of debt <laughs> within 10 years or five years especially if you're not even making close to that every single year. Um, would you tell them as well to not pay or not save up for their college, um, the college savings account for their children, or to um, still push that off? Well, I think when it comes to college savings accounts, the way we've talked about it so far is we're assuming that that money has to come from our income. And so I know a lot of times parents love to give presents to kids, right, for their birthday or Christmas or whatnot. And it might be a conversation with grandparents, aunts and uncles to say, hey, you know, they'd love that Lego, 
but I'm probably going to get rid of it in a few months or a couple of years. What if you wanted to contribute to their college savings account? So yes, yeah, start it for that. They should not get paid. You know, there aren't fees for having college savings accounts. If there are, find somebody else. There should not be a fee just to have one. So in terms of starting it, why I like having it open and available is so when you do get money for your kid, you have a place to put it and it's growing for them. But in terms of somebody who has that amount of, of educational debt, um, and I'm assuming as a doctor or a lawyer, you would be making a good amount of money, you might just have to shuffle things around. And if that is a huge priority, to start contributing to it, but not aggressively. I mean, really, to have financial freedom, you can't have any debts. And so you really have to be mindful of how you're going to pay it off. Extreme example, I will tell you, is a friend of mine finished um, optometry school and saw his debts. He joined the military. They said, work for us for five years, we'll pay off your loans. Nice. But that's a kind of an extreme, you know, circumstance. Most people aren't willing to, to do that and live on a naval ship for however many months out of the year. But he, he said, that's the only way I can see getting out of this anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. You were saying earlier, too, that parents should think about putting that money in a place that it grows. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those places that parents can put that money so whenever you have money tied to a child, we're assuming that when they're of age, they'll be responsible enough to use it. So for some parents, they don't know if their child will be responsible enough, so they want to keep it in their own name. There's a Coverdell Educational Savings Account, which is an option. Um, there's 529 plans, which is an investment account that People can use specifically for education. Nowadays, you can use it for high school. Like if you had a private high school, you could use money for that too. And just the standard savings accounts um, at your bank, you can open up a certificate of deposit for a child. There's pretty much any savings vehicles you can have one for a kid. You can even have a retirement account for a kid as long as they make money. And it's not allowance. They have to make, like, real money. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. Going back to just the Women's Life Care Center, what services do the Women's Life Care Center offer around financial assistance? Well, we offer education. So we have 10 phenomenal classes that cover everything from how to buy a car to your credit score to debt, managing um, your budget, So there's quite a bit of information there that we provide to our clients. And then also, I work with them on developing their budget and talking through, is there a way you can increase your income? Is there a way you can cut out your spending so that one will go up, you know, the income will go up and the spending will go down? And then the other thing is we apply for one-time need grants for our mothers. Quite a few of the mothers I've worked with and fathers, too. Sometimes the father applies for the financial assistance, depending on the situation. But for many of our mothers, they don't get maternity benefits at work. So they're either contractors or they work part-time. And so having a baby means a loss of income yeah. for a while. So we help with that. I, my goal is to try to cover at least one month's worth of rent or mortgage for those mothers who don't have maternity benefits. 
What is the typical client that the center gets? I don't think there's a typical one, do you? I mean, we have we have mothers in their 40s, we have mothers in their 20s, we have mothers that are single, we have mothers that are married, and the rainbow of melanin, I mean, you know, we, we don't have a typical client. Yeah, it varies. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised. I think we try to sometimes box um, a crisis client into like a certain image or a certain situation, but we've seen that sometimes it's stay-at-home moms, sometimes mm-hmm. it's working moms, sometimes it's married fam- uh, married families or um, unmarried families. Mm-hmm. So I agree, it's a wide spectrum of clients that we serve. What are some of the common challenges and financial issues you hear clients face? The one that comes to mind over and over again is housing is so expensive. Yes. And housing is <laughs> such a big chunk of your budget. And ideally, you want it to be under 33% of your take-home pay. But for some of our moms, it's not. And so housing is definitely a challenge for almost everybody. Um, the other thing is credit scores from you know bad decisions in the past creep up with you and keep up with you. So that's been something I try to help, you know, we we develop a plan. A lot of our clients use Credit Karma, and they can check their credit scores every day and see it going up and down. So that's been helpful for some of them. And, um, yeah, I think mainly it's having the willpower. (laughs) And we all know that, (laughs) no matter what the topic is, whether it's exercise or, or money or whatnot, is just having the willpower to keep going. Yeah. Nice, nice. Can you share some positive feedback you've received from clients that you've helped through the financial wellness program? Sure. They're always very grateful and very thankful um, that we see them as human beings who've had a difficulty come through, and they just say, thank you for believing in me that I can do this. I just needed a little bit of help to patch a situation. One of the most rewarding is a gal I met at the banquet last week for the first time in person because all the work I've been doing over the past almost year has been virtual or via the phone. And she was smiling and she said, I enrolled in St. Paul College like you told me to and I had found a scholarship for her. She happened to be a DACA student, which is the Dreamers Act. Um, She said, I applied for it. And she just had this smile like, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do this for my family. So that was huge. I was so happy to hear hear that. That's awesome. I wanted to tackle one more topic before we end. Um, Right now, we we do see in our world a child care crisis. Do you see any of our clients struggling when it comes to child care? Has that shown up in any of the clients' struggles? So far, and I agree with you, that child care is very expensive. And being from California, I talked to some friends out there, and their child care costs are more than my mortgage here. So we're talking like thousands, right, a dollars a month. And I just say to myself, that's why we don't live there anymore. (laughs) Um, But with our clients, though, so far... We have either had clients who have family nearby, and so the family helps with the child care. Nice. Or if they fall within a certain income bracket, um, Minnesota is very good at 
subsidizing the childcare costs so it doesn't fall like the retail price that you would normally see they don't have to pay that and so it is a problem but I haven't encountered that specifically with the clients I've dealt with this year okay well thank you so much Um, thank you for coming to talk to me today Melissa it was a pleasure having you today well thank you Kalina and I've really enjoyed my work and all the people at the center, it's like a family. It's been a really good blessing. Yeah, we're excited to have you on and have you out here helping our clients. You are really knowledgeable, and I think that's something the center's been missing for mm-hmm. a while now. So thank you. Um, well, thanks to our audience as well for listening to today's podcast. If you are a soon-to-be parent or current parent in need of parenting and pregnancy support, life coaching, pregnancy testing, or limited OB ultrasound services, or financial and material assistance, please contact us at 651-777-0350. You can also visit our website for more information at womenslifecarecenter.org. Before we go, Melissa, if someone wanted to join the financial wellness program to work with you, how can they get in contact with you? Sure. The best way to get in contact with me is to call the center um, or you can schedule online. Kalina provided that phone number 651-777-0350. The reason being is the financial wellness program is just one of many resources that we have at the center. So what we like to do is do an intake for every single client that comes to us and that allows the center to prioritize the need of that client. So Sometimes the financial portion is the most pressing concern. Other times it might be the baby is coming soon and the mom needs to have everything needed, stroller, car seat, things of that nature, so we can prioritize. So just give us a call or schedule online and they will refer you to me as needed. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening and tuning in today. If you have not already, please subscribe and share our podcast. Thank you. Thank you.